Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we uh, examine the Hall of Fame cases of NHL players. Um, this is a podcast where we're focusing on players who had a reputation, at least a reputation anyway, for being a forwards who had a reputation for playing some defense. So our eligible guy uh, this episode is uh, Vincent Donfus. Um, our Hall of Famer, recently inducted Hall of Famer, is Mike Modano. And finally, our old-time Hall of Famer is Dick Irvin, who is far more famous for uh, being a, a coach, right? Yes. Uh, that just that says everything you <laughs> need to know about me, the Leafs fan. I'm like, who is Dick Irvin again? Anyway. Uh, I think it's worth noting as well that that's, it's Dick Irvin Sr. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there uh, is a difference. There are two of them. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for correcting that. Because his um, son became the famous broadcaster, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, and and if you Google Dick Irvin, of course, you get a lot of stuff about the broadcaster rather than the uh, the yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to start off with, uh, oh yeah, and I'm Riley, and over there somewhere is Bill. Yeah, as usual, the, it's the same two guys. If this is the first yeah. episode you're listening to, go back and listen to episode one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, we're talking about uh, Vincent Donfus to start, and um, he he played in the NHL from 1986 to 2004, which is about 18 seasons. Uh, he scored 300, uh, 432 goals, rather 730, uh, 773 assists. I'm not having a good time here, <laughs> and uh, that's 1,205 points plus seven in 1,378 games. His average ice time for the tail end of his career is 19 minutes 28 seconds. And he had 105 points. That doesn't put him in any top counting category. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, like stat wise, at least he doesn't appear to be uh, a lock in any way. Yeah, although you got to think about the the time on ice. I think was when he was playing for the Sharks at the end of his career. He's still an important player because of his defensive prowess. But yeah, he probably wasn't getting as much power play time as he used to get. Um, and it, it's funny because I, I, that's, even though I'm a Leafs fan, that's, that's the Donfus I remember is the Sharks Donfus. Yeah. You know, w- I watch those teams in the playoffs and be like, oh, uh, I remember you vaguely from when I was young. I have a vague memory of you. You're still playing. Yeah. And, uh, that's when I was like, I was like, oh yeah, you're pretty good. Um, and I, so part of me, part of this is, is for me to just like, you know, uh, examine whether or not I remember uh, what I remember of him being good is is true or not. Because I feel like I remember him being responsible. Yeah. Um, responsible when he was to do some offense, like uh, you yeah. know, and on some important teams. Yeah. Uh, so first, we're going to talk about his draft, uh, the 1986 draft, and uh, that was a. Uh, it's an interesting one because uh, the Red Wings drafted Joe Murphy number one overall. The Kings drafted Jimmy Carson number two. Um, the Devils drafted someone named Neil Brady, who played in a total of 89 games. And then we have Zarley Zalapsky, who had a reasonably decent career if you don't look at the minus. And then uh, Sean Anderson, another person I've never heard of, who scored a total of 62 points. And then Domfus. Uh, and, uh, he is by basically, um, every measure except for maybe uh, offensive measure. Anyway, he's the best player in his draft. Uh, 
So he's um, he's first in goals and points. He's second in assists to Brian Leach, and Leach was drafted. Hold on a second. Number ninth. Nine. Um, number nine. Yeah. Number nine. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> not dating ourselves at all with that. Oh no, not at all. I'm sure everyone will get that reference. I did yeah. actually. Um, I think the only other really like good offensive player that was drafted besides. Um, well, Murphy was good for a while. Carson was good. Uh, Carson was good for a couple of years and then wasn't yes. at all anymore. Yeah, well, he was he was uh, he was the big deal in the Gretzky trade, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but, but if you look at the seasons before he was traded for Gretzky, they were pretty. They were hundred point seasons. They were, yeah. He was a very good player, um, yeah. and then sort of just tailed off. I think he had some injury problems as well. Yeah, yeah. Try to be fair to him, um, but you really end up with Vincent Dufus being like. Maybe the best forward. I mean, you could argue Graves for a little while. Well, hold on, hold on. Carson? Craig Janney. Oh, Craig Janney. I how could I pass over Craig Janney? Yeah. He's he's the he's the guy in the draft that's closest to a point per game. Oh, he he wasn't highlighted on my list because he never made the All Star team. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is like he's one of yeah. those guys. Uh, in fact, like uh, to preempt it, I want to talk about him in a future episode mm-hmm. because he's his his per game stat like his rate stats are bonkers but he only played 760 games over i don't know a very long time yeah i remember Um, it being very very good yeah he so he played for you know well oh 12 years but he played you know in 12 in 12 seasons he played uh um you know less than 800 games um but like he doesn't so he doesn't have the totals and uh and you know the other thing is i think he was hurt so much that like yeah. he never like really you know and he he was a passer right so he doesn't have a lot of goals so he doesn't even have 200 goals so yeah he was like he was like the poor man's adam oats kind of thing yeah yeah absolutely he got traded for oats too yeah there you go <laughs> um yeah but it wasn't like a lights out draft but he's still you know he's top 10 in every thing in that draft right like every measurable stat that we always look at Udonfus? yeah he always he's one in everything yeah. in he's first in goals, goals and points. in points yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. then and, second in assists i think just behind leech so that's awesome yeah yeah so i mean he, he i mean he's he's uh i think um i agree with you i mean like janny might have been a better offensive player but i think mm-hmm. uh forward wise he's he's in terms of a player who played over a thousand games he's clearly the best yeah uh forward in the draft and i mean talent wise maybe he w- he wasn't quite up there as i mean a different player than Janney. yeah um but then i think you know it's safe to say that brian leach was the best player oh yeah yeah not, not even close i don't think yeah unless there's a goalie that i've missed doesn't nope no goalies ron tugnut the Ooh, best goal the tugger yeah the best goalie in the draft looks like um I just wanted to mention too, while we're talking about the draft, that a number of years ago, for fun, um, I tried to figure out who the best uh, Leafs draft pick of all time was, um, because the Leafs have, have have a notoriously terrible draft history. Was this is pre Austin Matthews, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, you have to like understand that uh, prior to Austin Matthews, prior to let's let's say prior to William Nylander, mm. the Leafs had a notorious terrible like it's only recently that they've drafted good players and most of that is because they never had any high draft picks yes um, and their highest draft pick ever prior to matthews was wendell clark which you know i i would say some sacrilegious 
things about him that would make Leaf fans crazy. But what I will say is I have something called the Wendell Clark test and it's to determine your sanity as a NHL fan. If you're a Leafs fan and I say, does Wendell Clark belong in the hall of fame? And if you answer yes, you are crazy. And this is coming from someone who's a fan, but he just doesn't, he doesn't have any case, uh, case in hell. Um, but there are people who love him, right? Anyway, this is all a long way of saying, uh, by looking at all their careers, I figured I, I, I figure if you, if you look at all the players, the Leafs have drafted, whether they played for the Leafs or not, Don Foose is probably number three prior to Austin Matthews and Marner and Nylander coming into the league and Riley. Like if you, if you stopped at whenever year I did this in was probably five years ago, four years ago, and you're writing uh, a book? it was, it was Sittler, McDonald, Don Foose. Wow. So he's, I mean, that, that says more about the Maple Leafs probably than it says about Don I think Foose. it does, but you know, he's, he's, he's a fine player. There's yeah. nothing wrong with, you know, having Vincent Don Foose or as, or as the English in Quebec like to call him Vinnie Damphouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a good player, you know, like, uh, the next one that you're you're about to read there that if he played 1250 games between 86 and 2004 Donfus is top 10 in everything yeah plus minus point shares offensive point shares assists per game assists goals goals per game and points he's top 10 in all of those like he's he was a very good player and the the thing that you wrote is that out of those 11 players all but two are already in the hall of fame so <laughs> yeah well this is this is where it gets interesting hmm. is because the standard of admittance sort of suggests that he belongs. Yeah, he's but he's not a sexy name. I think that's what's going to sc- sort of screw him out of it. But... Well, and the other thing is, is like he just he doesn't have he doesn't have most of what like, and this is someone coming from someone who liked him as a player. He doesn't have a lot of the things you would normally associate with someone in the hall, right? Yes. Like he doesn't have the career. Mm-hmm. You know he's not a he's not a point per game player. He's he's slightly um, he's slightly under it. Um, I think I I I'm realizing I forgot to calculate the adjusted stats, um, which is bad because he probably gets a healthy adjustment. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, and then and when we get to the accomplishments later, like he he was never a offensive star, like in the terms of getting in the top ten and anything. So. But on the other hand, if you look at like the comparisons, um, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm just going to see if I can duplicate that the research I did before. Like it, it's, uh, it's, there's a precedent to induct him for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where his case starts to be built, you know, but that's the yeah. thing like about Don Fus, it's like, it's kind of the curious case of Vincent Danfus. Like you kind of want to put him in if you just look at his stats, but when you think about him as a player, you're like solid but unremarkable. Like you don't you don't remember him that like being that sort of driving force of any one team. Yeah. Um, you know, he was part of some very good teams, but you never remember him as being the guy. Um, yeah, and I mean, with one notable exception, he he wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about that notable exception, which I we can talk about now or we can talk about later, um, is that like the best player on that team was a goalie. Yeah. So uh, he might have been the best forward on that team, but they wouldn't have won the Stanley Cup without Patrick Waugh. Oh, my uh, God, no. What, 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 <laughs> so, 
He literally dragged them kicking and screaming to a cup. But they ha- the thing is that a lot of people forget about that. And I used to be a big time Habs hater back then because I was surrounded by Canadians 24-7. And I'm, I myself was a Canucks fan. One of the very few kids at school who was not a, a Canadians fan. Yeah. Um, but I do remember that team like so many big clutch moments. And like they had their players who were – all of them were defensively responsible – all of them, you know, mucked it up in the corners and could do basically everything. Yeah. So it's almost like a team of like second line centers all over the ice, just annoyed the crap out of you. And then Patrick would make a gigantic save at some point, and then they would turn the game around and score an OT winner somewhere because they all were used to playing in those types of games. Um, you know, the guys like Kirk Muller, um, uh, Geek Harbino, like they still had some yeah. of like, like if those are those are your three centers. <laughs> Muller, Dalfus, and Carbino—like they're all good defensively. They're really hard to play against. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they very luckily had the Penguins knocked out before they got to them. So. <laughs> yeah, which was yeah helpful, helpful, yeah. for sure. Um, so I'm just looking at at this list. Uh, so 1,250 players. I don't. I must have done something wrong here. Sorry, is it, so I said 11 players? Yeah, to play in at least two, 1,250. Yeah, yeah, players. no, I know. But, like, I'm looking and I see 18. Oh, that's not bad. Um, oh, you know what it was? It's forwards. Aha. But regardless, yeah. even if it is 18 players, there are still only three of them that are not in the Hall of Fame. Wow. And that's Danico, Muller, and Donfus. Oh, and Mellonby, sorry, four of them. And then if you reduce it to the forwards, it's just Muller... Melanby and Donfus who are not in of, of that group of players. And as you said, uh, Donfus is in the, you know, he's, he's top, he's top five in a couple of things and he's top 10 and everything else. And he's basically, he has better, um, uh, he's a better record than, you know, better points than some of these, like, uh, like Muller, for example. So, and Melanby. So basically, there's a precedent for him to be inducted based on just his era. Um, though I'm not saying you would need to induct literally every forward who meets that criteria in that era, but yeah. So um, we also wanted to mention his, uh, his peak. Well, both his 82 game average, which is 71 points, which was just slightly below, of course, um, slightly below a uh, point per game. And then his peak, uh, is uh, 91-94, which was 91 points, and that is, for that era, not the most impressive compared to some of the players we've talked about. A lot of guys are in the hundreds. Yeah, like if you talk about Recky, even, like a guy who, you know, we both sort of were like, yeah, I guess he should belong, but neither of us were, like, absolutely adamant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Recky's peak in that era was in, like, he had one bonkers season where he scored 120 points, and that's another knock against Donfus, I think, is that he he never like cracked those big numbers that people like, right? Like, yeah, he's just like consistent. Well, he's just really consistent, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am just going to, uh, yeah. So he, even adjusted, he doesn't get up to a. Oh, he actually gets hurt. That's interesting. Weirdly, the the air adjustment hurts him. Oh wow! So he must have he must have played he must have scored so many of his points in the in the late eighties early nineties yeah that 
yeah, his best years were were aside from '96, hmm. um, which was in the dead puck era. Everything else, all his best years were earlier than that. So because of that, the air adjustment actually hurts him. I thought it was going to benefit him, but it hurts him. So I haven't even calculated. I know it's lower. So um, yeah, so it doesn't. It makes him look worse, which is interesting. Um, I guess it's worth noting that he was a, a, a quite a good playoff player. Um, yeah, you know, 104 points in 140 games is pretty yeah. rock solid, considering a lot of his playoffs would have come from the '96 to 2004 era. Um, and also, we sh- sorry to interrupt, but we should just point out that like every very rarely does a player who played that many games in the playoffs see their their uh, points per game average go up. Yes. It's it's almost always down. There's a few guys where it's up. Most of them are down. Uh, you wanted to talk about uh, the trades. Yes, yeah. So he's part of two massive trades. Um, a six-player deal for veterans, Anderson, Fuhr, and uh, Craig Berube. Uh, yeah. For uh, Dalfus and Peter Ng. Yes, we got a Peter Ng reference. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> Scott Thornton. Um, so that was a deal uh, getting uh, getting Fuhr uh, later on in his career. Um, so that was a huge deal. And then uh, he was traded for lesser players um, from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and a lot of people think the Canadians fleeced them on this deal for uh, Shane Corson, Brent Gilchrist, and um, Vushtek. Um, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head, but... Uh, so he, a, a lot of people were saying, like, at the time, you know, oh, Edmonton got three for one. That was a good, good deal. But, like, well, Danfoss is better than Corson. Like, Corson was good on the Canadians, but, like, he – I guess he was useful in other ways. Uh, but Danfoss was definitely the better player. Um, I would say, looking at those two now, with the benefit of hindsight, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is a huge pet peeve of mine when we judge trades. Yes. Um, but, you know, I'm acknowledging it at least. Uh, I think – I think – Montreal definitely wins that trade. I mean, obviously they win that trade, they win the cup, but like just looking at it, like you said, from a talent perspective, yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it's Don Foose in a fourth rounder for Shane Corson and, you know, like who's not Don Foose in any way. Yeah. Um, and then uh, two guys who I barely remember. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, if people in like, if any Habs fans are listening, they will, you know, be like, I remember Brent Gilchrist. If they're my age, I'm not a Habs fan, but I grew up in Montreal. Brent Gilchrist is a yeah. player, but everybody remembers Shane Corson for most of his career. And he was a yeah. good player, dealt with some injuries, um, did a lot of things that Dalfus probably wouldn't do in terms of like hitting and grinding and maybe even fighting occasionally. But uh, I think Dalfus yeah. is a better, better player for sure. Offensively, there's no comparison between the two of them. Like, and Corson's best years, I believe, were in Montreal, right? Like yeah, offensively, I mean. Yeah. I think. A good team. Anyway. Um, yeah. I I think I think Montreal wins that one. The the other one is a little harder to tell because even though Grant Fuhrer was not, you know, the Leafs were not in a position to actually require the goalie at that point. I mean, I think Glenn Anderson played a fairly significant role in the good Leafs teams a few years later. Yes. Yeah, he did. But. I don't know. I, I mean, it's one of those trades where like it's hard to evaluate because the team turned around and traded the main piece of it a year later. Yeah, exactly. For like no apparent reason. 
I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to hockey in 1991, 1992. Yeah. I, I wasn't following the trades as closely as I do now. It cool. seems quite a stupid thing to trade for, like, you know, uh, like a uh, very, like high end second line center or, or you know, um, or or one A or whatever you want to call Donfus, uh, and then you know trade like um, three assets for him, and then turn around and trade him a year later. Like I, I don't know, must not have worked out there. But yeah, I think uh, I think uh, it was, I guess, just Edmonton not like liking his playing style. Maybe he just didn't fit in with the players there, even though he, I think he scored quite a few points for Edmonton. He had eighty nine points that year. Yeah. Well, it could have been like they were about to have to pay him some money too, because I know the Oilers were having, you know, significant financial. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there could be any number I, of reasons I, I why it was trade, and that all I could find was that people were sort of like the Habs won that one. That I couldn't find anything, um, like a little bit of stuff about yeah, he just wasn't a fit with the Oilers, or they thought maybe their style of game wasn't good enough because he, I guess he was seen more as like a finesse player because back then grit mattered a lot, right? Like get to the playoffs, yeah, yeah. Gritty, you got to be tough, you got to be able to do this. And, um, you know, sort of take all the slashing and punch some guy in the face and do all that other great hockey stuff. Um, and Dolphus, I guess maybe they felt didn't give them a shot if he was only playing on their second or third line. So, or maybe they just really needed a couple of wingers, and so they grabbed Corson and Gilchrist. Although Gilchrist may have been a center. Um, so well, I know uh, Dolphus was their first line center. Oh, he he was at that point, right? They, because they, Messier Messier was uh, gone, I believe. Oh. Messier had left. Oh, okay. Wow, that's a weird. So trade. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Who knows? So they 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 the Doug Wait trade would have been sometime around then too. Oh, okay. I don't know so when it happened. But that was probably a couple of years later though. Yeah. I so, so I don't know what the hell they were doing. There there was a there was a two or three year dismantling of those great, like the that last Oilers team that won the cup in ninety. Um, yeah. Yeah. that slowly over a few years. Then the Oilers were pretty bad, and then they bounced back relatively quickly to. Uh, have all those great series with the stars and then be young and fast. And yeah, them. yeah. Um, okay, so his uh, accomplishments, we'll get to those. We'll run through those as quickly as we can here. Um, so he was top five in Selkie voting once. Um, he scored 40 goals once. He hit 35 three times, 30 goals four times, 25 goals seven times, and 20 goals 11 times. So very consistent in his goal scoring. Um Never like the big gigantic season, never like a terrible, yeah. terrible season always consistently producing some. He tallied 60 assists once, 56 times, and 40 10 times. Um, he scored 90 points four times and 80 points six times, uh, 70 points eight times, 60 points 10 times, and 50 points 12 times. He was a top 10 in assists per game once. He made three All-Star Game appearances, and the super interesting thing about his All-Star Game appearances, the one that they played in Chicago, I believe it was in 89 or 90, um, he scored four goals in that game, playing for the Western Conference All-Stars as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yes, because kids, the Maple Leafs used to be in the Western Conference. <laughs> which made uh, lots of sense. Yes, it does. Uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> you can you can find the highlight video on uh, on on YouTube. Uh, and it's interesting to watch because they're wearing those classic old, like, you know, the every year they had the same uh, All-Star Game uniforms with very slight yeah. Uh, one, yeah. one team was white, one team was black. They had orange, they had the NHL logo, and it was kind of confusing to know who was who. The colors all sort of blended together. <laughs> um, <laughs> players didn't hit. 
uh, and everybody scored a bunch of goals. But in that game, he was, I think he scored two on Patrick Waugh, and I can't remember who he scored the last one on, but uh, a couple of them were very nice goals. Uh, he ripped one bottom corner on Patrick Waugh. He shoveled one over him sort of uh, in a Paul Henderson-esque fashion, <laughs> just kept banging away till it went in. And then he scored the other two, uh, one on a two-on-one. Uh, on a, uh, It was a two-on-one, and he was the trailer, and they hit him with the pass. I'm like, I could have scored that goal. That was a beaut. And uh, and then the last one was a, just a, a two-on-o breakaway, and he decided to just take it in and shoot, and he roofed it. It was really nice. I'm like, wow, thanks, Andolfo. This is pretty good. Um, but it's interesting to watch those old highlight videos. I couldn't find any sort of um, weird, wild videos about him, uh, but it's interesting to note that if you watch the – when we were talking about the 93 Habs and that he was an important part of that team. Uh, he's the guy who scored against Quebec city, the one that counted because <laughs> they, yeah. it's actually one of the more curious things that's ever happened in the playoffs. The Canadians scored Jacques Demers hustled them off the ice really quickly. Like it's a goal. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and then the officials came on. Like, was it a high stick? Yeah, it was a high stick. Get the Habs back out here. We got to play. <laughs> um, and then they, they ended up scoring again anyways on Ron Hextall. And then the Canadians won the next four games in that series, won the game series in six, and they never looked back after that. They easily won the cup after that. So, uh, But Vincent Dauphus was the guy who scored, and they were at home down 2 nothing going into overtime. It's You're about to go down 3 nothing to the Nordiques. And the Nordiques were good, too, that year. So... Uh, was, uh, yeah, fair. it would have been like uh, Matt's when Matt's was still on the team along with Sackick and Forsberg, right? Um, I don't know if Forsberg was playing yet, but... Um, no, Forsberg wasn't playing yet, but they had Sackick. I believe they had Sundin. Um, they still had... Sundin was definitely a lead, uh, uh, Sorry, uh, uh, Nordique yeah. still in 93. Yeah. And they, like he was... Yeah, they, they were really good. <laughs> um, they were very hard to play against. All young, all fast. Um, and they had gone to go get Ron Hextall to make sure they had like a veteran goalie so they wouldn't fall apart because of their goaltending. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, he's they still fell apart anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, um, so uh, he he wasn't on a lot of like teams that made it really far. Uh, obviously, the the notable one is the uh, the Canadians, yeah. um, where he was the best forward by a lot. Uh, he led the team in points by six, which in 20 games is a lot. Um, and that was mostly assists. He had one goal more than Muller, but uh, he had five more assists than Muller did. Um, it says he was playing left wing at the time. I, I was not watching the Habs, so I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, as we said earlier, uh, the reason they won a cup was not Don Fusu, it was Wa. Um, but he was the he was the best forward on the team, and I think you could argue, you know, he was maybe the best skater. Um, I don't know. Desjardins looks like he had a pretty good run. Oh yeah, uh, he was, he, well, he had that hat trick in the, in the cup final there. Yeah, so 14, 14 points in twenty games. Yeah, not bad. I mean, it's not Brian Leach the next year by any means, no, but um, well, the, the thing is, though, if they didn't have that Desjardins game, they probably would have lost that Cup final because LA came in very, uh, very um, had all the momentum on their side from that from winning the Leaf series in seven games. Yeah, came in and they steamrolled the Habs in uh, in game one. The the Habs won four one, and the only goal they scored, Gretzky tipped into his own net when he was back checking. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do actually remember that. He goes like. 99 says that's the last time I'm back checking because <laughs> he put the net, but they, they beat the Habs pretty handily in game one. 
uh, on Forum Ice. And then in game two, they were down to L uh, the Canadians were down to LA with like, a couple of minutes left. And um, it's funny, I was, I was actually reading a thing with like Don Foose and some of the other guys, like an oral history of the 93 Cup. And they were saying, like, oh, cool. Uh, Carboneau was so like, it was such a student of the game. And he took so many face-offs against different guys that he noticed all of their sticks. And he would look at their stick, be like, that guy's playing with an illegal stick. That guy's playing with an illegal stick. And he would go back. And in the last 10 minutes of a game, they had a policy where they would all switch sticks to legal ones. So nobody could yeah. call that on them. Carboneau would just sort of tell the coaches, like, this center, this center, this guy, they all have illegal sticks. And Demers decided to call it. And they actually measured Marty McSorley's, and he hadn't changed his stick. Or I guess some of the guys on LA hadn't. And it was yeah, they called that penalty this i remember yeah and then and then this is the part i forgot because i was young enough that i just remember the goal and everything but then demers there was only a minute 40 left in the game when they when they got that penalty he pulled the goalie with two minutes like the full power play two minutes left in the game that's like a 21st century move it really is it was way ahead of its time and like just the players are like man he really, he's really going for it this is awesome and then they of course desjardins scores that big goal because uh, Kelly Rudy doesn't know how to stack the pads properly. And they're off and running. And then Desjardins scores the OT winner as well. So he scores a hat trick in a playoff game for a defenseman in a Stanley Cup final game. And, uh, you know, the Canadians just immediately steamrolled the rest of that series. They had so much momentum from that win. Um, it was pretty I, I really didn't think they were going to win that final against LA. And they just steamrolled them. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I my memory of it is very poor. My memory of all sports from that era is really poor, even the Blue Jays. Um, but anyway, that's that's my fault because I have a terrible memory. So the other thing is, before before he was on that team, the the Oilers team the year before was actually not bad. Hmm. They made it to the conference finals. Oh, that would have been when they lost to Chicago, right? Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or, uh, I'm... Blackhawks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got swept by Chicago. So they were, you know, not amazing, but they were still not bad. And uh, Donfus didn't have the best year that year. He was a top three forward in points, but he was, uh, again, he was playing wing. I, he must have just centered later in his career. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, the top line was Joe Murphy, Bernie Nichols, and Vincent Donfus. So I guess it was, it was Nichols who was the number one center on that Oilers team where talking about a minute ago um but yeah they got they got uh swept by the blackhawks with ronick and belfour and yeah like, was larmer still on the team then probably oh yeah he was on the team yeah. yeah um and then the other only other uh reasonably successful nhl team he was on in the playoffs were the team that i think about when i think about don Foose, which is the 2004 sharks yeah. which is really dating me <laughs> um i don't know why i was apparently uh into that team but i was i was on that bandwagon for some reason or other that, that um, was that watched sure a lot. Lost the flames though um and uh yeah yeah and, and i'm happy about that yeah uh but like for some reason prior to them playing the flames like when they played I think, I mean, I, I think it was, that was the, was that the year of the, like, incredible, um, the blue, that wasn't the year the Blues won the President's Trophy, right? No, 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 it wasn't, okay, and the Sharks beat them, but the Sharks still beat them, I don't know, I enjoyed those Blues Shark series, 
and then I was happy to see them beat the uh, the Abs because you know enough already with Avalanche <laughs> winning games and yeah. Um, so I don't know for some reason it was just it was appealing, and then I was happy I was happy to see the Flames win. But um, prior to that series, I was very much uh, on uh, on the Sharks bandwagon until it ran into a better bandwagon. Yeah, and well, the- he actually, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say he actually was. Uh, he was a pretty important player on that team. He, um, he, he was the leading scorer. Uh, Marlow played more ice time, but he was also twelve years younger. Is yeah. twelve years younger. Well, that that was his final season. He never played again. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's. A, I mean, a, you know, it, obviously, you really want to go out winning, but if you know, that's better than going out on a shitty team that misses the playoffs. Totally. Yeah. Well, they. I, apparently he said when the, when they lost to Calgary, he was like, you know, well, this might be it because they knew the lockout might be coming. And sure yeah. enough, once they had the lockout, he's like, I can't play anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, the only other uh, really successful team uh, he was on wasn't a successful one, and that was the uh, the infamous 96 World Cup team. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was, at least by points, he didn't play a big role on that one. Uh but that's not really a surprise because they had lots of high-scoring players on that one. They sure did. Um, so I mean, I I I feel like I definitely like liked him as a player, and when I first thought about it, I was like, yeah, I think Donfus belongs. But like, I I can definitely like so many of the players we've talked about, I could see it going either way. And I think you make a case either way. And I think if you're inclined to have a more exclusive hall, even though I think there are guys in who he has a better career than, I think if you're inclined to a more exclusive Hall of Fame, he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I would agree with that. Because, I mean, he was, yeah, sure, he was the best player on a, or best skater on uh, this one team and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But he was never really a dominant offensive player. And, I mean, he was, I remember him being responsible defensively, but the consensus really, I mean, he got top five in Selkie voting once in his entire career. So not everyone agreed. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Although as we've discussed, being awarded awards is kind of flawed as we know. So yeah, yeah. It's really messed up. I, I, mean, I, I think if he had played in an era where we, we had the possession stats and his possession stats possibly could have been very, very good. Um, I think that might push him over for me. Um, but yeah. there's, no, there's no real way of knowing that, right? So, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if there was more information, and that information suggested that he was, you know, as good as my memory, as good defensively as my memory says he is, then I would be, I would be for uh, arguing more strenuously. But the, like, I mean, I, I think he had a very good career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me too. I, I don't. I think I have slightly more of a problem with him being in than him being, uh, than him being left out. So, yeah, I think I'd probably give him a, you know, just barely no, but keeping in mind that there are certain players of his ilk that I would probably kick out if I had the choice. Yeah, me too. Me too. I feel the same way. Like there's, I mean, there's guys we've talked about already on the, on the show that who I've been like, I, I would say in only because there's Gartner a precedent. <laughs> yeah. Poor Gartner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I was thinking more of like Andrew Chuck, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, we and, had that uh, yeah. yeah, and you know, I mean, you know, I'm fine with him being in, but I feel like a more exclusive hall he wouldn't be. 
Yeah. And, but like here, like I feel like there's even less of it. Like Andrzejczyk, at least you can be like 600 goals. Yeah. Exactly. You really want a player who has scored 600 goals to not be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. okay. But like Donfus doesn't have any of that, right? Like yeah. the best I think you could say is best forward or possibly best skater on a cup winning team. Okay, but then you also have to say, well, but there's an asterisk there because, you know, they only won the cup because of their goalie. So So I'm okay with him not being in. Yeah, Um, I think I am as well. But it's it's, it's pretty close. He's 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 worth having, you know, he's worth having a bar argument over because I, I think he did a lot of really good things in the NHL. And I think if you if you argued the case based on the guys who are in that you're like, well, if Andrew Chuck's in and Gartner's in and this guy's in and that guy's in, well, come on down Foose and be like, yeah, all right. Like you, yeah, <laughs> we can argue about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we can argue it for sure. At least. So speaking of defensively oriented forwards who never managed to score a hundred points in a season, uh, our next player is Mike Madano. Mike Madano. And, uh, he uh, he played from 1989 to 2011, which is uh, 21 seasons, 20 which are quality. Um, he scored 561 goals, which is uh, 25th all time prior to the start of the season, anyway. And he was the first American American born, anyway. If you don't include Hull, um, 813 assists, which is the second American all time, and 1374 points, which is 24th all time and first American other than Hull. Plus 114 in 1,499 games, 1947 uh, average time on ice for the second half of his career, and 144.9 point shares, which is the fourth American all-time, excluding Hull again. Um, And he's also the first American all-time in offensive point shares. So that is, though I think both you and I would agree that there are better American-born players in terms of their peak he has the best overall career numbers because he didn't... What was LaFontaine a knee? Um, LaFontaine was concussions. That... Concussions. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I don't know why. I always dis- change, decide it's a knee. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> sure, he injured his knee at some point, the yeah, way he yeah. played. But, you know, it's definitely concussions. So, given that LaFontaine couldn't play as long as Madano did, uh, Madano has the uh, the career records in... in you know, um, in goals and uh, in points, provided, of course, you exclude Brett Hall, uh, who was not born in the United States, um, though I guess he was probably born as a U.S. citizen. I don't know if Bobby Hall had a citizenship yet. Um, uh, well, he's, he's a dual citizen because when one of your parents is... Uh... Yeah, no, I know. I just uh, I wasn't sure off the top of my head if Bobby Hall had become a citizen yet, but I guess, he, yeah, because that's, that's what allowed him to switch teams, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, Medano is infamously uh, the first ever uh, Am- American and I guess non-Canadian to go number one overall in the NHL draft. I would say so, yeah. And uh, and so, you might say had a lot of stuff to live up to, mm-hmm. being Did the ever, yeah. first. Um, and you know, I think for a long time there was a little bit of a idea that he was a not a bust but didn't live up to it simply for the fact that you know he never scored 100 points in a season and he was not you know he's i mean he was not the 
the absolute like I would say that uh, and this is just this is me not necessarily having paid attention as a kid but assuming that this is the narrative that like until he won the Stanley Cup there was this idea probably that he was you know not as good as um, some other number one draft picks in that draft he is uh, third overall in goals um, second in assists behind Recky who played way longer mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, what was it in points um, where was he in points uh, oh uh, third in points goals and points and second assists so behind Recky and Solani in those various categories um, it was a good draft though yeah, it was a very good draft. Yeah, uh, and so that's not—it's not his fault that he wasn't—he didn't have. There were there were some uh, some pretty good players. Well, Timo Solani, uh, yeah. you know, going number ten. Yeah. Um, you know, Ronick was in that draft. Brindamore was in that draft, and then there's a lot of late round steals. Guys like Tony Amonti, Recky, Rob Blake, McGillney. There's McGillney. a lot of good goal scores in that draft who happened to go quite a bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean. Medano, um, you know, doesn't doesn't have like, like gaudy numbers comparatively to like um, uh, to Recky because of launch out here. You know, Recky played over 150 games more than Medano did, and then uh, and then Solani uh, is like the only one of those uh, star players aside from McGilney to be a point per game player. You know, Amani isn't. Lyndon isn't, um, Brendan Moore isn't, as we talked about, Roenick isn't, um, at least by the end of their careers anyway. So, um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I think offensively it's clear Milano is not the best player in his draft, but he was among them. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, my vote would be for Solani. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think Solani was, uh, I mean, if, if you're going to consider an all-around player, because Solani at first was just, you know, he's a Finnish flash. He got breakaways. He scored goals. He just did everything because of his speed. And then as his career went on and his speed became, I mean, he was still always a great skater, but he wasn't the fat, like one of the fastest guys in the league anymore. But he just, the guy just knew how to score goals. Like he could just always put the puck in the net and became way more defensively responsible as the game demanded that as we entered the dead puck era. So I yeah. think for a guy like Solani, he was a really good all-around player. And the numbers, I mean, are just, you know. Yeah. Considering that a lot of his career was in the dead puck era, those numbers are off the charts. They're really, really yeah. good. Um, so for his era, Medano is uh, basically a top five or top ten offensive player, depending on how you define it. So the 24 players played in 1,250 games between 89 and 2011. And he's, yeah, he's seventh in... In most things, fifth and assist, fourth and points. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was almost one of the best offensive players of the era, despite the fact that he was never, you know, he he like sort of he had that one year where he scored fifty goals, and then he had another year where he had the like exact same number of points, but didn't score anywhere near as many goals. <laughs> like back to back seasons, I think, right, where he scored uh, ninety three points. Or is the it was the other way around? Sorry, it was the other way around. One year he scored ninety three points because he had sixty assists, and the next year he had scored ninety three points because he had fifty goals. Wow, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he never, he just never, uh, he never scored 
a ton, but he was clearly very consistent because, you know, he's finished in the, of all those players, he's still in almost top five in most of those categories. Um, and 75.82 game average, which is, uh, you know, a little bit better than Donfus's and a slightly better peak, very similar, uh, 82 game average and three year peak though. Yeah. And Donfus had 91 points at his peak too. Uh, or both 91 and 94. Yeah. Look at all these similarities. Who knew they were this alike? I didn't realize that when I when you when we decided to talk about them. <laughs> well, I knew they'd be fairly close, but that Madonna would definitely have more points because I knew he'd gone over the 500 goals. Um, yeah. Uh, but even then, when you look at like Donfus's playoff stats, I mean, they're both guys. You know, at, um, uh, Madano's 146 points in 176 playoff games. They're both about 30 points shy of being a point per game player in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's they're they're both they both got that sort of playoff pedigree to their you know, they seem to they seem to play at least as well or maybe even better in the playoffs. And we yeah, know Madonna yeah. was important because of his average time on ice as well. So Yeah, yeah, which yeah. <laughs> yes. Um Yeah, and I, I mean I think I don't I don't remember Madonna as a young player. Um yeah. so I don't know when I mean he got Selkie votes in ninety seven, which would be when he was only like twenty six. Yeah. He started getting Selkie votes, and then he started getting them regularly. But this, I think you can say, just like with with Ho- when we talked about Hosa and when we talked about Forsberg, here's another forward who was responsible enough that he was definitely worthy of consideration for a Selkie, and that's what happened. I mean, he was top five. Well, we'll get to that a couple times. But um, unlike Donfus, he did play uh, long enough that he his possession numbers uh, did get tracked, and at the tail end of his career, he was a he was still a positive possession player, albeit ba- barely, fifty one percent Corsi, and uh, worse than the, his team, which is not a surprise because he was really sort of he was at the tail end there the last three years. Yeah, he really was. Yeah, he had the um, what was the really terrible year he had? Was that near the end? Um, playing for the Red Wings. No, no, oh, that was a bad year. But no, no, there was a year. Uh, I think it was a couple of years earlier, actually. He had a really bad year um, at some point in the 2000s. And it was, and nobody knew why, because he wasn't injured. Mm. And it later came out, I'm pretty sure that um, his his investment advisor had like embezzled his money. Oh, man. And so he'd been just like horribly distracted. I think it might've been 2004. He had like his lowest or 2003. No, it was. Uh, no, 304 no. he drops from 85 points to 44 points there you go yeah that's probably the year mm-hmm. um where he just like he was healthy and everything but like people couldn't figure out what was going on and it was just like it later like years later came out that he was dealing with a lot of crap <laughs> it's like oh okay um but like yeah i mean the last few years is you know his possession numbers are are just about the average but like i mean he was in his late thirties by that point. Oh yeah. 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 That's the, yeah. I, I think that's, that does a, you know, sort of a disservice to how good of a player he was. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to, when we get to the start, uh, the, the starts teams that were really good, we will talk about that. Yeah. Um, his adjusted numbers are a little bit, uh, just slightly better, but they're virtually the same. It doesn't really help him that much. Mm-hmm. And of course he was never traded famously, though he did leave well, he, <laughs> as a free agent. Well, I think Dallas sort of wanted him to retire and just call it quits. And he's like, well, I was, you know, I, I probably should, uh, should make an effort to uh, play for my, 
play for my hometown team. So he went home to play for, uh, for the Red Wings and just didn't work out. But I think he was just trying to, you know, be because those Red Wings teams are really good. So he would think he was just trying to be a piece on maybe another cup winner and yeah. do it at home and then just figured out that I just can't skate anymore. I can't do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's get to his awards. Um, he was a top five in Selkie voting twice and top five in Calder voting. He was never a top player by point share, top offensive player by offensive point share. He scored 50 once, as we mentioned before. He had 35 goals four times, 30 goals nine times, 25 goals 13 times, which makes him one of only 24 players ever to do so. He scored 20 goals 16 times, one of only 20 players to ever do so. So that puts him in some pretty elite company in terms of his consistency of goal scoring. Um, he hit 60 assists once, 54 times, and 40 12 times. He scored 90 points twice. 80 points eight times, 70 points 12 times, one of only 21 ever, 60 points 13 times, one of tw only 25 players ever, and 50 points 15 times. He was top 10 in goals and goals per game twice. He was top five in assists once, top 10 in assists per game twice, top 10 in points three times, and a top five in points per game once. Um. Uh, Sorry, there's a little bit more after the page break. <laughs> uh, he was a top five in his plus minus once, and he was top 10 four times. So again, we're talking about his defensive prowess or his ability to play at both ends of the rink kind of before that became basically a prerequisite of almost any player in the league. Um, he was a first-team all-rookie and a second-team all-star once. He made seven all-star game appearances, and when they get to those NHL three-star awards, he was a weekly third-star once. And yeah, I mean, he definitely like comparing him to Donfus. He 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 was a significantly better offensive player relative to the league. Even though he he just like Donfus, he topped out at ninety points. Yeah, he he definitely like I mean, and part of that is he 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 just played at a slightly different. He came in later, and so yeah. more of his career was in the dead puck era. But I agree. Yeah. yeah, like he at least you know he at least had some like leaderboard finishes, unlike Donfus's one. So it's yeah. like, I feel like here it's very clear yeah. um, that he, uh, you know, he was at least among the better offensive players for a little bit. Um, and of course, you point out his ridiculous consistency, which is how he got, you know, he, I feel like Madan is one of those guys that if you weren't paying attention, you'd be like, how does he have 560 goals? <laughs> or yeah. how does he have 1300, almost 1400 points? It's because he's, he scored like what do you say 50 points every year right like yeah, yeah. 15 times he had a yeah. 21 career career 21 year career he scored 50 points 15 times yeah that'll put you up there it um he's just yeah he's he's another one of those guys where you're i wouldn't say you're blown away by what the stats i mean you're like oh yeah i guess he was really good offensively in addition to also playing on some very defensive minded um, you know, just yeah. Dallas Stars would win every game two one. If like if Hitchcock had the choice, that was his ideal score. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And only because bad bounces happen. Otherwise, he would have been a better B two nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, it's not like he was taking chances to go on breakaways and stuff. So he, he yeah. earned his points. So let's put it that way. So I'm gonna I'm looking up uh, who he uh, who Madano lost the Selkie to the year that he almost that he came in third. Uh huh. Weirdly, 
Wait, John Mann, completely acceptable. Yeah. Joe Sackick. No, oh, Joe Sackick. Yeah, Joe Sackick was pretty good. And yeah. Like, like better defensively than people remember. Yeah, definitely better than I remember. <laughs> I'm like, but the Selkie voting is also bonkers because then number four is Brad Richards. 20-year-old Brad Richards. A minus 10 that year, by the way. Wow. They must have thought something else out of him. I don't I don't know what they were thinking, frankly. Hey, Brad Richards is a really good player. No, I know. I'm not I'm not I'm not uh I used to have him I had him in my fantasy team, I oh. feel like that not that year, a couple of years later. Yeah. Uh he but like I don't know. I, I'm just I don't I think Brad Richards was a great player. I don't remember him being um particularly shut downy. Yeah. Well, I, I and, think I think a lot of players because of that era uh were sort of inherently thought if they played for a shut downy team i think you sort of yeah got a got a benefit there if like if you're a good player or a second line or third line center on a very good defensive team i think you got consideration yeah i don't know i think there's much more reasonable people below them like eiserman and Leiden and then bonk and holik yeah. forsberg fedorov hosa i just surprised to see brad richards there but eh, i mean i don't remember yeah um Anyway, just so I mean, yeah, it seems like reasonable that Manano finished third. I guess I, I you remember Sackick being better defensively than I do, but like, well, to, towards the second half of his career. Yeah, and this is yeah, we're talking like two thousand one here. This yeah. is also the year that Sackick won the Hart, right? Yes, I believe so. So some people are just trying to give him all the awards. Yeah, he got a little bit of a boost from that. Yeah, I think. But anyway, like whatever. Uh, I'm I'm mad in winning. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But um, yeah, as I said before, I do feel like Madonna is one of those guys who like we're gonna forget in like fifty years or twenty five years that he was as good defensively as he was because we're gonna like look back and be like he didn't win a selkie. He can't have been good defensively. Um, and so as as Bill mentioned, the re the thing that I point to, um, to to prove that to people who don't believe don't believe us is is his ridiculous usage in the playoffs um under ken hinchcock who of course would not have been playing him had he had concerns and uh like he just i can't remember i mean it was it was um it was pretty early it was actually the first years they started tracking ice time but uh you know forwards don't play 500 minutes in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs that often or close to 600 and that's what Madano was doing for the the 99 and the 2000 stars um he was uh and I and and this is a this is a hot take um I I know it's a hot take because I we already sort of talked about it in the past when I suggested Zubov um for this but I think it's the the uh I look at the 99 cons Smythe and I, I think it's, it should have been between Milano and Zubov rather than going to uh Neuendijk. But I understand that I'm probably the only person in the world who feels this way. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Neuendijk was sort of seen as the guy who pushed them over the top, I think. Yeah. And there's a huge narrative element there. And the other thing is he led the team in goals yep. and, and people love that. You lead the team in goals. Doesn't matter what else happened. Yeah, you know. And the only thing I would say is that Madano mm -hmm. 
was on the ice for 223 minutes more than Neuendijk. Wow. And did I see 200? Sorry. I'm screwing that up. 123 minutes. Okay, that makes more sense. A little more reasonable, yeah. Otherwise it'd be Re- regardless, it's still it's still a lot of time. It's still two full hockey games. Yeah. Um, and he played more than Hatcher. Which is like that never happens. Now that's because Hatcher got hurt. But like Hatcher was playing more average per game, but okay. Okay. over the course of the whole series, uh, all the games, he uh, Medano played. You know, Zuba played way more than anybody, but Medano played a ton in, in the in that year. Um, the next year, he played even more. Um, I'll just go to that next year. He played a ridiculous amount in two that when they lost to the the Devils. Um, hold on a second. So that year, uh, Zubov was hurt that year, not Hatcher. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, Medano also uh, um, Medano played less than uh, Hatcher and Matvichek, but he still played more than any other forward by over a hundred minutes. Again, Hull Hull came in second, and and Medano played one hundred and twenty minutes more than Hull did. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it was like out there all the damn time. Yeah, and this is not that normal for a forward like uh, i know uh the tampa players did that with what's his name with torella in 2004 yeah. he was playing them like crazy yeah and brindamore i think we talked about uh last episode that uh, he played a fair amount as well yeah. but they, they're relatively rare that he uh forwards get played this much and you know i think it's the, because Manana was just so damn reliable well, reliable and st- like at the same time, still their best offensive player. So yeah. it's not like a guy that when they cart him out there, okay, we can only bring this guy out when we, you know, are trailing because we need him to score a goal because we're losing. It's like he can be out there when the game's zero zero, one nothing, two nothing for us. Yeah, he's not John Man. Yeah, you're not just carting him out for the power play. You know, he's there in all situations. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's you know, a testament to his, his all around game that he was just like that, that vital um, to those teams, you know, that were like, you know, you and I both feel strongly that the stars didn't deserve to win that first series, but you know, they did, unfortunately. And uh, regardless, they, they were made the, the finals two years in a row um, in a a, playing a very unattractive (laughs) version of hockey. Well, I mean, they, they met the Devils in the final. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the best clutch and grab teams made it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, he just, you know, he was uh, he was arguably aside from Belfort or, or Zub. Well, I mean, I think you can get in a serious argument about whether it was Belfort or, um, or uh, Medano or Zubov who were the most important players on those teams. Yeah. Um, so I just I just looked up um, players uh, forwards who have played in at least 550 minutes in a in the Stanley Cup playoffs since they started tracking minutes. Are you ready for the list? I'm ready. <laughs> Aginla has has the record, all-time record in 2004. Brenda Moore, Madano twice, 
Oh, sorry, Brindamore twice and Medano twice. Uh, Brindamore in, in 2006 and 2002 when they won the cup and when they came in and, you know, in the finals. And then Medano, went, same thing. And then Kessler in 2011 and Kopitar in 2014. And that's it. That's the list. Man. So five players. Man, that's pretty impressive. That's an exclusive club. Anyway. It really is. So, yeah. So Medano was good. He was a good player. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, his other uh, his other great teams. Uh, he he didn't he uh, he won a silver in two thousand two at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he had a not huge role on the ninety six uh, World Cup winning team because he was still pretty young. Yes. Um, and. Uh, he, when he was a, more of a star, he was on teams that uh, lost to um, Canada. So he his international career is, you know, I mean, still for an American, the fact that he has a silver medal is a standout because, you know, they don't have a lot of those. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I, I remember him saying that at one point because they, they lost the, um, the 2002 Salt Lake City uh, Olympics to, uh, to Team Canada, and then they lost the... Um, the, uh, they went up for the World Cup in 04 and lost that. Um, and I remember an article or something where somebody had said to Mike Medano, and he was, he was a big, like one of the best American players, if not the best American player then. Yeah. And some American guy saying to him, like, how come you guys don't go up there and kick Canada's ass? You guys are awesome. You're like, you know, you're one of the best players in the NHL. And he's like, I don't think you realize what it's like up there. They could make four teams. Like, that's all they yeah. do. Like you have no idea how good they are. And then the guy's like, really? He's like, yeah, like I'm like, if I was Canadian, people wouldn't be saying I was the best player in the country. Let's put it that way. Like, and yeah. I, I remember him I, being humble, but also recognizing that like Canada is so hard to beat because they basically always have six or seven guys as good as Medano that they can throw on the team, you know? Like, I always thought it would be interesting an international tournament where like Canada has to show, like provide regional teams. Yeah, yeah. Like a maritime central and west or something. Yeah, well, if you want to split up the country, Riley, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be really interesting one year to have, uh, if we ever have another lockout, I would yeah. say the players should get, to, they'd probably be too scared to do it because of injury, but it'd be yeah. totally sweet to do that and just say, like, we're having a Canada Cup and it's, we're, you know, the Maritimes, Quebec's going to have a team, Ontario's going to have a team. The mid the prairie provinces are going to have a team and BC is going to have a team and let's do this thing. <laughs> that would be yeah. amazing. That would be really cool. Yeah, it would be cool. It would be really cool. Shall we move on to our old timer? The uh... oh uh, well, in in the interest of sort of uh, trying to provide people with at least one U cool YouTube thing you can look up about each player. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. No problem. It's a new thing we're doing, so yeah, yeah. it's going to be easy to remember. Um, this is one that I've watched many, many, many times. Um, if you're a Mike Medano fan, it's probably hard to watch. Um, it's probably the very first time, or at least the first one that I can remember, where it's blatantly that um, Matt Cook on Mark Savard, sort of, I'm coming from the side, but really I'm mostly coming from behind. And then when you turn, I'm going to be to the side of you, but you're never going to see me coming kind of hit. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's in Madison Square Garden. Mark Messier comes in. Uh, Medano comes in over the blue line, starts to make a turn, and Messier sort of like back and to his left, 
and just creams him and knocks him out. And Madano goes spinning across the ice and he has the long flowing hair. His helmet comes off so that you just see it like he's spinning across the ice and his hair is like on the ice and he's out, completely out. Um, and they load him onto the stretcher and they, the announcers are talking, oh, poor Mike Madano, really hope he's going to be okay. That was a really tough hit he took. Of course, I, I don't even know if Messi got a penalty for it because it's Messi. Um, this is going to start to creep into more and more of our things as we get like earlier and earlier in players where I just start to like, ah, oh, Messi, um <laughs> but the, the the thing that makes the clip really interesting one that it seems to be one of the first examples that i can recall of like that sort of blindside predatory hit that eventually became a thing that we had to get out of the game um did it way too late took way too long to get it out of the game but like it was it, if you watch the marks of our matt cook one and then you watch this one you're like yeah they're pretty similar yeah um, Definitely headhunting him and wait, waited until he turned and he was vulnerable. And like, I'm just going to pop a shoulder into his head. Um, yeah. And shoulder to the head being totally legal back then, by the way. <laughs> um, not blindside, maybe. But um, and then they so the the MSG announcers keep talking and they're, you know, poor Mike Madonna, hope he's going to be OK. And then they they somehow got a cameraman at MSG um, into the hallway and they're loading Mike Madonna into the ambulance. Like they have him on a stretcher and they're about to put him in the ambulance and they're like, Oh, uh, you know, our cameraman, blah, 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 is down in the bowels of MSG and they're, they're just sending Mike Madonna to the hospital right now. And the paramedics drop him. Jesus. And the announcers are just like, oh, geez, poor Mike Madonna. Like they have footage of it. They drop him on the stretcher and he lands like the whole thing tips over sideways and he lands and you're just like this poor guy. Like, it's no amazing he kept playing. Okay. It's kind of funny, but like, you're like, are they going to kill this poor guy? Like, what's yeah, happening yeah. to these people? It was, it's ridiculous. It's it's one of the one of the more ridiculous hockey clips you'll ever see. So I, if you're if you're a YouTube fan that likes to look up old hockey stuff, just look up uh, Mike Madano Madison Square Garden stretcher, and I'm sure it'll pop up right away. Yeah. Uh, and then you can and then you can also not like Mark Messier like I do once you see the hit. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. That I will have to watch it. Very um, very interesting. Yeah. So up next, we have Dick Irvin, um, as you said, Dick Irvin Sr. Yeah. And um, perhaps more famous for being a coach, uh, which I couldn't remember at the beginning of this because I, I was not alive. <laughs> I, I don't think I was either. <laughs> yeah, you were not. Uh, he won the cup three, four times as a coach, once with Toronto, which I should have known, and three times with the Habs. Um, but it, I don't believe he was inducted for being a coach. He was inducted sh very shortly after not coaching anymore. So I'm my guess is that he was inducted as a player. For some reason, I can't. Oh yeah, you know he was inducted as a player. Okay. Um, and uh, this is another guy where we're sort of just guessing about whether or not he was defensively responsible. Um, in fact, he might. I mean, the big thing was that he he didn't take penalties. Apparently. So, because like you look up his penalty minutes, they're not very high, and so that was a sort of associated, I guess, back then with, with that. Um, he, uh, we're not, we've decided we're not going to read out everything. Um, he did not play in the NHL much, just the three seasons at the very tail end of his career um, when he was in his, uh, I believe he was in his mid thirties or late thirties or something like that, mm. um, and. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, he was he was over thirty for sure, um, and he was one of when he came into the league, he was one of the better um, thirty year olds. 
but that was very common, right? The the thing is the PCHA or sorry, the WCHO folded and the NHL got flooded with all these uh, former um, stars in their 30s and there was a whole bunch of them. Uh, 28 guys who were uh, over 30 um, who managed to play at least 82 games between 1926 and 1929. It's a fair number. In a league of four teams or five teams, that's a fair number of players. Um, his uh, 82 game average was 45 points, uh, and uh, his playoff numbers are you know nothing because he was not on great team. He was on the uh, Blackhawks at the very beginning, and the Blackhawks were not good. <laughs> um, the main he was a he was a senior player uh, for a while, and actually, there's a notable achievement he he had that we want to mention. Um, so he, because of the uh, because he played senior uh, for such a long time, he doesn't necessarily have the same pedigree as a lot of the other players we've talked about, and it's really hard to know. You know, he was a he was a star. Like when I say star in senior leagues, I'm 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 not sure I'm conveying the degree to which uh, he once scored 32 points in seven games. Wow. For <laughs> 26 points in six games in another year. He was the probably the best player in the Manitoba Hockey League for a while. Um, there was one year he only managed to score five points in two games. He must have been injured. <laughs> so he didn't enter the uh, PCHA until 1916 uh, 17. And then um, he, uh, like so many people, um, got out because of the uh, the war. Uh, he regained his amateur status because I believe he was drafted. Um, and uh, and so then he was an amateur player once again. And so he really didn't get going in his, uh, his pro career, his paid career, until uh, well after World War I had ended in 1921-22. And how old would he have been? I'm just going to look that up. Uh, quick math. Um, he would have been 30. So he basically didn't play, play pro much. Uh, he played one season of pro until it, before he was 30. Which, you know, so it's not surprising we don't have a lot of, you know, uh, his, you know, his one, he had one decent season, one, sorry, very good season um, in the PCHA where he scored 45 points in 23 games. Ooh. And he had uh he had pretty decent seasons uh, in the WCHL, um, almost a point per game, um, basically. But and this is in his mid thirties, right? So yeah. he's, you know, we know he basically we know he was good even in his in that NHL season when he was, I don't know, his late thirties. His first NHL season, thirty six points in forty three games is yeah, pretty good. His last two years were not so good. Um, it's, I mean, it's. Uh, it's it's the kind of career that um, it's hard to know what to do with because so much time was spent that senior, but he was very very good as a senior player. So you know, I mean, uh, I think it's it's worthwhile noting that you you were saying before that his you know he didn't uh, take a lot of penalties and that's sort of why he's regarded as a great defensive player. I guess if you could play defense but not take penalties for tripping guys and that kind of stuff you must've been good defensively. And then that's one of those things that I think transfers to him being a really good coach later on. Yeah. 
you can sort of teach guys like, no, you want to do it like this so that you don't take a penalty and you still get the puck, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So um, probably what made him so successful as both a player and then later on as a coach. Was probably. Yeah, yeah. Get the puck without having to trip a guy. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll skip ahead to his player accomplishments. Um, he was yeah. top five in heart voting once. He was a top 10 uh, player by point shares once. Uh, he was a top five offensive player by offensive point shares once. He, I, those both come from the 1927 season. He was top five in goals once, top 10 in goals per game once. He led the league in assists and assists per game once. He was top five and top five in points per game once. And the PCHA... Uh, hang on just a second. I skipped away from that because I used the wrong button. Um, he was top five in goals in his only season in the league. Goals per game, probably. Um, top 10 in assists and possibly uh, top 10 in assists per game. We don't really know. Um, top five in points and top 10 in points per game in his only season in the league. The WCH, uh, uh, WCHL, he was top five in goals twice and top 10 three times. Uh, top five in, uh, sorry, top five in goals per game twice and top 10 three times. He was a top five, maybe, in assists once, just over a quarter of the league leader and top 10 probably three times. Just to interrupt for a second, the WCHL is crazy. Um, we've mentioned this a number of times where, we, like, one of us has said someone was, like, top five or top ten in a ca- counting stat, but, like, had, like, a third or a quarter of the points. And for some reason, the league leader in the WCHL in the last few years always would have a ton of points. And then the rest of the guys in the top ten would be, like, you know, <laughs> way down there. And you're like, what is going on? I don't know why. I've never figured out why. Anyway, it's a weird thing. It is, yeah. Um he was top 10 in assists per game three times, um, a quarter to a half of the league uh, leaders, depending on the year. He was top five in points once, uh, top 10 three times, and top five in points per game probably three times. So again, there's a little bit of a dearth of information there. We don't quite know quite how good some of those stats were, but we know that he was in that range at least. You know. And the thing is, this is in his late 30s, mid to late, mid 30s, sorry. Right, like he's a top five offensive player in in the only other pro hockey league in the world, and he's, you know, I I see that, and I think about compared to like Foiston, who we talked about a few uh, episodes ago, for example, and I think like, well, this guy had he been in the NHL, you know, first first year in the league in the NHL, and he gets nominated for the Hart, and he has a pretty good year, leads like you said, leads the league in assists, and then, you know, and he's in his he's in his late thirties. And like I look, it seems to be that like this is one of those guys who just he he made a choice about staying amateur for a long time for whatever reason. Yeah. And he just, but he was really really good. He may have even been one, you know, the best amateur player in the world for all we know. He very well could have been, right? You know, in the early twenties, like when when basically all all the stars his age were playing pro. He quite easily could have been um, the best player who wasn't in the pro leagues. Because I mean, some of the things he's so. This is the thing I wanted to mention. He, you know, unlike a lot of these guys, because he didn't play in the pro leagues until the the early twenties, he doesn't have a whole bunch of Stanley Cups, right? Like a lot of the old timers we talk about have a ton of Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. When I say a ton, I mean like three, but feels like a ton. Um, and that's because, you know, they played, they'd play in the challenge era and then they play in the PCHA 
and they played in the NHJ and they played in the WCHL and somewhere along the line, they win a cup or two. And he never did. Like the best thing he, he did was he, he was on a, a WCHL champion in, in 1922 that, you know, did not win the cup. However, he did win an Allen cup, which is the senior trophy in 1915. And he scored 20 points in six games <laughs> in the Allen Cup final. Pretty good. So this guy was good. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the thing is, too, that if you're making a case for, um, for Dick Irvin's senior, um, he was a really good player. And if you want to just put him in as a player, I don't have a problem with it. But then when you add what a great coach he was, it's just like, even if even if you were unsure of his player stats, like he still like was awesome as a coach later. So either way, he should be going in. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's third all time until recently. Uh, he was third all time in coaching wins behind only Scotty Bowman and Al Arbor. I mean, that's fantastic company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't honestly, I didn't um, because he coached before my time. I didn't know much about him, and um, I knew him through his through Dick Irvin Jr. Yeah, and knowing that that was his dad and that he had one time been coach of the Canadians so that Dick Irvin Jr. used to hang around in the Canadians dressing room, like literally has basically been around the team his entire life. Yeah. Um, and another interesting thing to add about both Dick, uh, Dick Irvin Jr. And Dick Irvin Sr. Uh, Dick does not stand for Richard. It stands for Dickinson. That's great. I didn't know that. I should have looked at the Wikipedia article. Clearly. That's great. Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. Names were better a hundred years ago. They really were, I know. 30 years ago. Dick, Chuck, Chet. Oh, we have great names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a big guy. Let's call you a moose. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I look at this and I say, like, this guy would have probably have great stats had he just, you know, NHA and NHL stats had he just picked the right league. And I don't know why he didn't want to get paid maybe he was getting secretly paid as an amateur but uh he was such a dominant amateur player that's hard to like not believe that had he gone pro earlier he wouldn't have like pretty gaudy numbers yeah i mean i mean to me it makes perfect sense he's in the hall of fame like yeah oh totally yeah i I I would agree with him being there i don't think i don't think there's anything you can say that you'd like oh he needs to be taken out or he should be one of those guys that we just sort of put in the old timer section it's like he seemed like he was a top five player, basically every league he played in his entire life. I think that's good enough. I'm, I'm, I didn't look this up, but I'm wondering if there's any repository on the internet where they like show the like the all-time leading scores in the Allen Cup final. Um, I don't think so. I feel like this is the kind of thing that no one has actually bothered to sit down and figure out, or if it is, it's on some really hard to find page. But like. He scored 20 points. <laughs> like, it's just like, I don't know. I just, I, I just think that's crazy. Like he clearly was just, should have been playing pro hockey, you know? Like, I don't think that happens anymore somehow. Did I lose you? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up Allen Cup archives. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we, we both are we're both looking up Alan Cup there we go. um yeah it just gives you the scores it doesn't really tell you like sometimes yeah. you know who scored the winner and that kind of stuff but it's not gonna yeah. give you yeah no one sat down and tried to figure this out I assume if there's like an Allen Cup museum somewhere it probably says who it who it is yeah. and I'm sure it's him 
yes. because it's hard to imagine someone else um you know uh <laughs> doing that also they play way fewer games now don't they I'm I'm honestly not sure. I haven't looked at it in years. Yeah, I pay no attention to this if, tournament. So. If it weren't for Don Cherry showing like the guys who win the Allen Cup every year on a show, I honestly wouldn't wouldn't know at all. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's just yeah, I don't know. It's a crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but there, you know, kind of unfortunate. I don't pay attention to that because the Allen Cup's pretty good hockey. <laughs> yeah. It's funny too because when you go back and like with all these star like old timers who were anytime they did play senior. Like they couldn't get into a pro league because the pro leagues didn't quite exist yet, or whatever. Like I, I, I know both Malone and Lalonde, and I think Cyclone and Taylor as well had like these, these like half seasons or seasons where they play in a, a senior league, and you're just looking at the numbers, and you're like, those are video, those are better than video game numbers. Like, <laughs> what is happening? And it's just because they were like, like Irvin. It looks like Irvin just should have been in a different league. Yeah, but for whatever reason, he wasn't. All right. Um, so, uh, just a brief. We should do a brief wrap up. Um, Donfus, yay or nay? Donfus is going to have to be a nay for me, but not by much. Yeah, me too. Uh, Modano, do you think he deserves to be in there? I do think Modano deserves to be in there. Yes, I completely agree. Um, and and Irvin. Irvin definitely deserves to be in there. Um, probably both as a coach and a player, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I assume they just didn't bother the second time, but maybe they have put him in twice. I don't know. Yeah, and look, they, if they haven't, they probably should posthumously because I believe yeah. Irvin Jr. is still alive. It'd be cool for him to accept that award. Yeah, yeah. yeah they may, they may have. I mean, I feel like it's something they might have done, but yeah. Um. All right. That that concludes this episode, and uh, we don't we haven't figured out who we're going to talk about next time, so uh, we're going to work on that and. Uh, we will see you then. All right. Take care.